0: Hello everyone, this is Chess, this is Plus 7 Intelligence, and I am heading off for a vacation very soon, but I did not want to leave you guys without an episode, so I put together the last half of the discussion that was started last episode with Josue Cardona about the WHO decision about classifying gaming disorder as a mental health condition. So here it is, so here it is, without as much fanfare as a normal episode, but I think that you'll enjoy it. We get into more of the long-term ramifications of the existence of gaming disorder as a classification on the industry, on gamers. We go through a a crazy idea I had about uh, treatment for gaming disorder. It's really good. If you haven't listened to part one, I highly suggest it because there's a lot of context there and a lot of threads that we pick up in this part. So go back and listen to that part, and then this one will bring it all together. I think we've kind of picked apart the words that are there. So I kind of want to take a step back and look at the broader picture of what are the ramifications of this. I kind of mentioned that a little bit. It's funny, I guess someone interviewed someone who was on one of the boards that brought this decision down. And this Dr. Vladimir Pozniak, I think, he says, I'm not creating a precedent in reference to this decision. But is that the case? I mean, this is the first one, and there's more that have considered it. Is this setting a precedent for organizations local to, to specific countries or regions? Is this setting a precedent that, they're, that they are going to follow?
1: So the way I've, I've, I've read his comments are basically him saying, listen, people are already talking about this. This isn't something like we're just making it official. But everybody knows that there's a video game addiction out there. There's Everybody knows that there's some sort of gaming disorder. That's the way I interpret his his comments, right? Now, the idea of it, like, not setting, again, not setting a precedent, I think it's that, right? Like, he's just following a trend. The ICD is extremely influential. Once they put that out there, it's going to depend on a lot of other people. It's going to depend on individual clinicians. It's going to depend on different institutions that want to adopt it or not. You can oppose a, a, a disorder and... As policy, you know, like have a a system in place where you, if someone really, really wants to give that disorder, they need to do more than just show that you ticked off three boxes as based on the the ICD-11 and individual institutions can do that. Mm -hmm. There aren't really many groups that perform or that create this kind of diagnosis, right? There's a group out in France. There's the APA, the American Psychiatric Association here in the United States that Maybe they could follow that, their lead, but I don't think that there are many that, that would. Now, like those, those treatment camps and things like that that exist, the truth is, a lot of that is completely out of the mental health space, right? If it's an affluent family, they can pay to take their kid or their, you know, some of their sibling or, the, or their spouse to, to one of these places, pay cash and have them do whatever kind of treatment they want. In terms of the government or a government, paying like in the, you know, DHS in the UK or, or Medicaid here in in the States, like that's something that is going to be very specific to, to each country. And again, specific to each practicing institution. So there are lots of layers here, you know, and there's also like someone like me, I don't take this disorder seriously. But maybe some people would you know, and I think it has a lot to do with your biases and and what your 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 beliefs are and if you believe that the video games are rotting kids' brains, you're probably going to try to dish out this diagnosis all the time now I'm not too worried about it because I think that it's okay if someone comes to me and says, "You know, maybe I have this thing called gaming disorder. Can you help me right Like people come to me to get helped, not to be harmed. Right. So right. then I would have a serious conversation with them, but like I know video games. So I think I'm going to ask the right questions about what's going on and hopefully we'll get to what the real problems are and, and address those and work on it. So if somebody comes to me because of this and, and we can help them in some way, I think, I think that that's great. Um, I don't think that that diagnosis in particular is going to, I can't, I can't foresee many clinicians billing for gaming disorder. Mm -hmm. I may be wrong. Now, the one, like the one thing that I'm most concerned about is the potential for pharmaceutical companies to create a pill that treats gaming disorder. (laughs) And, and that is what worries me the most, because if that happens, then your medical doctor could diagnose you with, with gaming disorder and then prescribe you a pill. And, I could see that being a serious problem with parents now, and it doesn't even have to be a new pill, right? It can be. You know how many uh, how many medications are used uh, like off label use, right? It's like, oh well, you know, it's designed for this, but we know that it's great for this, so I'm going to prescribe it for this anyway. That's like that's that happens. That's that's allowed, <laughs> you know, and and it's kind of messed up, and something like that could happen, mm-hmm. and you know, people are given either you know anxiety or depression medication because you know they believe that it might help with gaming disorder and and that is that that is potentially problematic but that's like worst case scenario i don't think that i think that in most cases when just behavioral intervention is the case i don't think it's going to be that big of a problem but there could also be like this whole new market of gaming disorder treatment books tools Cupcakes, I don't know, like whatever you know. Somebody says is going to help with that, you know, like a Cliff Bar for a gaming disorder. I don't know, like these things could happen, but uh, I'm I'm not too
0: concerned. Just wait until there's a video game designed to break your video game addiction.
1: <laughs> oh, you know it. We have this new VR experience. It's um, designed to treat gaming disorder. That would be that would be the best if somebody. I that looks like an Onion article, right? Or something that somebody could really do to troll. I like just the, the people who really want to destroy video games. Like I love that idea. Like you put them like the most immersive video game in the world to supposedly
0: treat gaming disorder.
1: Oh man. Great.
0: I love it. <laughs> I love looking at the medical and, and mental health possibilities of, of uh, games designed for that. But uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you know, it sounds like a ridiculous idea, but something that could be designed to like wean someone off like let's say it's let's say you start out with a game that's identical to Dota but then slowly the game becomes like less and less punchy it becomes slower it becomes more frustrating I don't know I'm not Oh,
1: like a mod that makes the game suck over time to make you want to play it less
0: yeah something that that gradually makes you makes you want to play less because it starts it starts drawing out you know those feedback loops and things like that and it's it gradually makes the game give you less of what you're craving but it's slow it's slow and drawn out so you'll start playing it <laughs> one month and then three months down the road you're like ah eh, this game kind of sucks
1: <laughs> and you don't play that's like it going on a diet by adding like kale to all your meals <laughs> or something like that yeah. right or like hot peppers or i don't know if you like if you don't like spicy food yeah you know it, i mean it's it, it's it's funny but uh like when in in diets when you start people start replacing real sugar with fake sugar mm-hmm. right like you still crave the real stuff it doesn't actually help mm-hmm. to to do the fake stuff so i like your i like where i like where you're going <laughs> yeah. i mean the thing is, is... I, th- I think that from other areas we're seeing i don't th- i don't think it will work <laughs> but uh that's a that's a really good idea though
0: I mean, I'm just thinking, obviously, the problem is is that if someone has access to other games that are fun, (laughs) the the spell isn't going to work. But just thinking about games that I've bounced off of, a game comes out and it has a new patch or a new DLC, Mm -hmm. a new update, and all of a sudden it's no fun anymore. And that causes me to leave. You know, maybe you can play on that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's funny, like, like the biggest game in the world right now is free. Yeah. and it's constantly getting patches and constantly getting like new game modes but the truth is that like before people were playing fortnite everybody was talking about pubg you know
0: and you know, they just move on to the next thing
1: yeah 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 that's a uh, that's that's gaming yeah
0: so <laughs> so you'd have to be super sneaky the what you'd have to do is you'd have to have the publisher create a hidden update version or a hidden second version of the game that is designed for people who are playing too much and you have to somehow secretly get it to someone who's playing too much. And that's how they, that's how they fall into the game that's slowly getting worse and worse. Until <laughs> so they have so, to quit.
1: So this is, a, this is an excellent point. Like, let's say, assuming that you are, that you really want to, for example, limit your time, right? The, the Nintendo Switch has a great parental controls app, which again, you could just use it on yourself. And you can set timers so that it, and and give yourself a certain allotment of time. There's a lot of that that you can do with your cell phone and your computer. You can limit access to certain sites. And I think, I think, you know, something that you said is is very true. Like to get to the point where you are willing to put those limitations on yourself, like, and again, in a way that is like, I can't stop myself or I don't want to stop Mm -hmm. after one hour of gaming because like, there's there's really no reason to. But let's just say I wanted to just limit my time to one hour because, I don't know, I'm, I'm writing a book or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading a book or whatever, right? There's something else I want to do. I want to go on more walks. Then there are tools available for you to do those kind of things and to limit your playtime and access. And and that that addresses that that part of it. I, I don't see companies really... I mean, first of all, if there were a market for it, you could absolutely... See that it's like oh well you know do you want the do you want the uh weaning um <laughs> a package you know it's like it's ten dollars a month and then you know we'll we'll make the game suck more over time like if people were willing to pay for that I think there would be a market for it there is in the computer space right now because that's something that we we talk a lot about we're talking about too much screen time and things like that and people I mean Apple just announced that in the next uh, iOS update they have all of these features where you can track how long you've spent there, uh, you know, on different apps and you can actually limit the time that you spend on different apps. Hmm. I mean, it's all like, it's all optional and it's also like, it doesn't shut you out completely. There are other services that will shut you out completely, but it's still you that has to set that up. I mean, I think that if you are, that if you can do that already, like if you're able to put those things into place, you're probably not at a point where you need to go, you know, see a mental health professional about it. Right. But if that doesn't work, you know, I don't know, but, but there are things in place that we can use. I mean, uh, Nintendo in some of its games, like after an hour or so, it tells you, hey, you've been playing for a long time. Why don't you take a break? Mm-hmm. But that's Nintendo. Like most companies are just, they're just trying to sell you stuff and, you know, have you play more.
0: <laughs> yeah. And many of them, the business model is maximum time in game as possible, period, yeah. over a very long time. You know, so so that's... Which,
1: which, you know, as
0: a gamer, like, if they're
1: doing that, if they're putting something in the game that makes me want to play it longer, like, that's exactly what I want, you know? That's something that doesn't come into this conversation. It's like, oh, you know, these companies, they're, tr- they're making the game more appealing and they're making it more fun. It's like, absolutely, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. I, want I want a game that I, you know, that I don't want to... I, I want to keep playing it. I don't want that moment to come where I'm like, meh, you know, I'm all right. I'm going to move on to something else. Like, I we want that so the truth is that everybody that's within the or, or you know most people who are within the gaming space like we're, we're all moving towards the same goal
0: <laughs> yeah these these things keep happening more and more in games because people like skinner boxes and they'll buy them <laughs> <laughs> and the, the next kind of big thing i wanted to bring up was not just in the mental health world but how does the existence of a diagnosis? How does that affect the stigma that people already have against gaming? Yeah, man. Uh, so,
1: uh, a few things on that. I think, like in in the month of May, which was Mental Health Month, on uh, on GT Radio, on our, our main Geek Therapy podcast, we every week we touched on terms and phrases that people use, in every you know, every day, you know, casually. But that are really mental health terms. Like, you know, I feel anxious or I'm depressed and things like that. It's like, well, those are clinical terms and people just use them casually. Mm-hmm. So I think that by having an official gaming disorder, I think that people will just more casually use that. I mean, you know, people say video game addiction pretty casually now. I think you'll see people trying to say video game disorder. So they sound like, well, you know, it's a thing now. <laughs> um, so it sounds more official. Um, I don't think it's going to affect... Um, where people are right now, right? Because, so if people who already think that video games are the worst thing in the world, this is, this is going to support everything that they're saying. And people who don't believe it are probably going to find enough people like me who are saying, you know, that this is this, is, this disorder is garbage and, you know, and it's not really supported by, by any evidence. And so confirmation bias is going to, to reign supreme. I think that a lot is going to happen in upcoming years regarding, again, how, how we either support this scientifically or not. And I think we'll continue to see that there isn't enough scientific evidence to support any type of gaming disorder, especially not the way that it's outlined um, here. Nothing so general. It'll be something way, way more specific, and hopefully that'll help the conversation. But I think that, you know, people who hate gaming are going to hate gaming and people who love gaming are going to keep loving gaming. And then there's like new people who will come in who don't, who haven't decided yet. And I think that ultimately games will win out. Gaming as an industry continues to grow. Gaming, video games in particular, continue to gain popularity. Actually all sorts of like you know consumer games are gaining popularity, including tabletop and and role playing so I think that ultimately games will will win out more and more people will be considered gamers. I think that a lot of the people who are against gaming are going to continue to age out, and you know eventually there will be something else that will take the place of video games as the thing that is most hated in the world, and then video games will just be will just be video games, just like you know t v is just t v yeah. That's my theory.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true that this has been going on for a long time. So people have probably already made up their minds. But at the same time, we used to be able to say, well, uh, science hasn't proven that games are addictive. And now you kind of have to do a little bit of an asterisk because even though that's true, now there's a well-respected body that is disagreeing with that
1: is disagreeing with that
0: that is making a claim that video game addiction is a real thing and a real problem
1: uh so so there is research on both sides coming out all the time and i think that once you start looking so like we had the situation with uh the apa had a task force a few years ago where they basically said you know like oh yeah like gaming is a problem and then hundreds of psychologists came back and said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Like your task force of, I think it was seven people
0: hmm.
1: came to that conclusion with crappy evidence and then hundreds of people came at it and then the APA walked it back. So I think that, and, and there have been multiple cases. Now, I completely take my bias into consideration here. Like I'm definitely on the camp of, of like, Video game addiction, there's no, I mean, I think that one day we'll see, we'll be able to say, you know what, Fortnite actually could, it is addictive, I don't know, or caused some sort of compulsive desire to play the game in 2% of participants in a particular study. And we can say why and where it affected them in the brain. And it had to do with the combination of colors and things like, we'll get into something that's specific. Nothing right now exists like that. Right. Not to my understanding, you know, because every time you look at these, at these studies are like, oh, well, you know, this proves that uh, gaming is addictive, you know, that there is a gaming disorder. You could pick it apart, even just as a gamer, you can pick it apart without even having to be a researcher to see that what you're looking at and what you're claiming, like you couldn't possibly make those two connections. You know, it's a lot like the video games make you violent argument right which are all based on research that shows increase in aggression and it's like that increase in aggression lasts like 15 30 minutes in the way that it's being measured and then it and then it disappears and in a lot of those things you'll see it's like it's people who didn't even play games the quote unquote aggression that was being measured was a lot of frustration some of it came from trying to play a game that they had no idea how to play mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, I've never played a video game before. I don't know how to use a controller. This was really frustrating. I did not enjoy this. And oh, that person was aggressive for 15 minutes. Or oh, was it the game or was it the setup? Mm-hmm. You know, was that person a, uh, an actual, you know, gamer that that person play all the time? Is that person familiar with controllers? But if they play all the time on an Xbox controller, suddenly you handed them a Dual Shock 4. It's like, oh, well, you know. <laughs> That makes a lot of people mad, (laughs) right? Uh, So so all of these things, um, like you can really pick apart a lot of that research. And a lot of it is on both sides, you know? It's like, it's motivated toward, it's very subjective and it's very biased, you know? It it very much is trying to say one thing. Mm -hmm. I've heard researchers talking about video games about how complicated it is because a lot of times you're looking at a particular game and it's just not relevant by the time the research is done and ready to publish. (laughs) You know, like what game yeah. is relevant three years after? Sure, Minecraft. I think Fortnite is going to stick around for a while.
0: Hmm. But other than See, that, yeah, like, if you
1: started doing started <laughs> with a game right now on a console, like in three years, we'll be on the next console generation. Like nobody's going to care what possible effects, I don't know, God of War had on PS4 right now when we're on PS5. Hmm. You know, yeah. and nobody's going to go back and play that game. So that, that that is also very, very difficult, very complicated in, in the research space.
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, the only thing you could do is like a, a long running series that has a lot of similarities. So like if you're looking at 2D Mario games, yes, there's big changes, but maybe there's enough similarities, but <laughs> yeah. still. But like, you know, and longitudinal studies in general are,
1: are the way to go. Like, OK, you play a lot of video games, Let's let's do this thing. Oh, you don't play video games? You don't like them? Then we'll, we'll have you play games every now and then. And we look at a lot of different factors over a long period of time. And, and when we do, then we'll have some answers. And my understanding is that a lot of the longitudinal studies that have come out, they, you know, they don't show any sort of causation related to video games, not on the negative side. Like there are positive Mm -hmm. aspects that have been attributed to it.
0: Yeah. I mean, based on the people that I've interviewed, people who grabbed a a game controller when they were still in diapers, they've gone on to... Whatever, archaeologists, psychologists, teachers, counselors, rocket (laughs) scientists—you know—I obviously uh, that's not scientific, but that's that's (laughs) my prediction for exactly what happens with gamers. (laughs) So my biggest concern about this, which I think you you touched on earlier, was does the existence of a gaming disorder diagnosis? Will that cause gamers, people who who may have problem gaming habits, will it cause them to be treated for for the gaming, for the symptom, rather than a cause of what is leading them to game so much and make decisions about gaming that are detrimental to them?
1: So when I think about something like alcohol, tons of people drink alcohol and how many people are concerned about them, you know, about being alcoholics necessarily? How many people are concerned about there being a problem with so many other things that we know are substances that actually cause some sort of addiction in the brain? Mm-hmm. There are there are tons, right? So my, my my point with that is that with millions of people gaming, there is going to be a very super super small percentage of people who ever even consider or come to the point where they're like maybe 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 there's a problem here maybe I have a, a problem because you know like it's it's socially accepted you you do it with your friends you know we have video game consoles in in living rooms in bedrooms right it's not something that's like taboo anymore you know mm-hmm. gaming someone so someone who who thinks that they might have a problem I want to make sure I get your your question correctly mm-hmm. you're saying is someone who thinks that they have a problem is it likely that they're going to get some sort of treatment or, or, or a diagnosis.
0: Right. I'm, I'm worried that someone will display these symptoms and maybe they even recognize those symptoms. Maybe they even bring themselves to a doctor and they get diagnosed with gaming disorder. Is the doctor going to consider that as, is the doctor going to see gaming disorder as something they can diagnose, but not dig deeper and and look at the underlying causes because they've they've identified they've identified something that they can diagnose you know if someone hears that they have gaming disorder are they going to consider okay well now i need to address the gaming and not go deeper into into whatever underlying causes there may be
1: the the truth is i think in my my opinion and also i'm future forecasting here but just like your general practitioners, I believe the statistic is around 80% of depression meds are prescribed by family doctors, right? And family doctors, the only treatment, they're, they're not giving you any treatment other than a pill, right? Maybe, uh, you know, take a couple of days off and rest, you know, sleep more, drink more water, you know, that kind of thing. So if someone comes in and they diagnose you with a gaming disorder, they're not even going to address the gaming. They're just going to give you that diagnosis. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. They might refer you to someone else, but the people who are doing the diagnosing, the majority of them are not even going to address the gaming, let alone the underlying issue, because that's what happens right now with people who come in and they get a diagnosis of depression or anxiety. Nobody's treating that. They're just getting a pill. Most people don't actually go get treatment. Like a pill isn't treatment. A pill addresses the symptoms. And that's the reality of of our mental health uh, system here in the United States right now, if gaming disorder were even taken seriously to the point where doctors were continuously you know, giving the diagnosis, the most that they would do is give a recommendation to a referral. And then in the other 20% that actually go to a mental health professional, if it were to start happening today, it would depend on whether you're seeing someone who knows about games or doesn't know about games. Mm-hmm. And then it'll also have to depend on the location and whether or not they have some sort of treatment protocol in place where they have a standard where it's like, oh, well, you know, if someone comes in with gaming disorder, you've got to, you got to cut out all the gaming, you know, Mm -hmm. just go cold turkey immediately. Like, you know, there's a place that could do that. But at the same time, I think that good therapists, which there, there are some, will, will go forward and actually try to find the cause, you know, not everybody's trained that way, unfortunately there are places that like they're they're like mental health uh, like mills like you just come in 15 20 30 minutes that isn't a lot of time to work you know yeah so it's it's going to be as bad as with all other mental health treatment in the united states which is which is pretty
0: bad so it might not be making it worse it's just the same level of bad
1: <laughs> yeah 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 as a as a as a non disorder It's going to be treated like, well, like assuming that someone actually really needs help, you know, like they're, they're like one of those cases where there is serious impairment, like you're playing so much, like their kid isn't getting fed, you know, or, or their hygiene is affected or they lost their job. Like that person actually needs help and it's going to depend a lot on the therapist. And unfortunately, yeah, some people will probably just say like, well, well, obviously you just need to cut out gaming, throw out all your consoles, get that, throw that computer out the window. (laughs) Get a flip phone, you know, like like, I'm sure somebody <laughs> thinks that, that would solve the problem, um, and that would solve a problem maybe in some cases, but that's probably not the problem because again, as we've as we've established, like we don't know that the video game is causing any of those problems, mm-hmm. just because the person is playing a lot doesn't mean that they're that that is the cause of the reason why all these other problems are happening it's probably something else and they're playing because of that something else Mm -hmm. and with enough time you could get to the bottom of it
0: I'm thinking back to my experience where I absolutely would have been diagnosed under this at certain points in my life and who wouldn't I mean yeah Yeah. (laughs) I mean the full 12 months of impairment yeah, I I know I had that. I don't know, I'm just thinking about okay, well what had, what would I have done if I had gotten a gaming disorder diagnosis? I don't know if a doctor if they had seen me would they have said Do you have gaming disorder and depression, you know, or would they cuz my gaming and the symptoms of gaming were probably very obvious and more obvious than than other aspects of my life. You know, so I'm I can foresee people like me getting a gaming disorder diagnosis when they maybe should have gotten something else. And I should mention that I was never diagnosed with depression. I was never diagnosed with anything. I should make that clear because I, I, I say it a lot. But I can see that that leading me down a path of, OK, now I'm going to treat this gaming disorder and maybe not look at, at other problems
1: yeah, it's possible. It's very possible. and I mean, that type of thing happens again all the time. I am very confident in my training as a clinician and the type of theoretical orientation that I went to school for and that I practiced and got certified in i I believe it is very it's very good at finding root causes of things, and I found that it was very helpful for my clients, but not everybody's trained the same as I am, and Different, you know, there's different efficacy of of treatment options of clinicians, and you know, there's this whole part of like I have received um, different mental diagnoses throughout my life, and you know, I I remember like as a kid getting a, a diagnosis of depression, and then my parents just stopped taking me to the therapist. I don't I don't know what happened. I don't remember if it was the insurance ran out, we moved, the doctor moved. I just didn't want to go anymore, like. That's, that's mental health treatment for you, you know, mm. unless there's like ga- court mandated gaming disorder treatment, you know, there are so many different factors at play,
0: mm.
1: including like, can you afford it? Are you willing to go? Do you even want to go and get treatment? You don't have to, you can get a diagnosis. lots some people have received diagnoses, some valid and some invalid, and, and they don't, and they just don't, uh, they never get treatment. Mm. And then some people do get like multiple diagnoses. <laughs> these conversations always lead me back to like our mental health treatment system in the United States sucks (laughs) and, and a part of it, honestly. And I think that in, in, in medicine too, I hear a lot of these stories is like, like, is that a real, is that a real disorder? Is that a real illness? You know, Hmm. are we, we're putting a fancy name on it and we made a pill, but is that really, is that really it? Shouldn't we, some doctors will work with you and, work on your diet instead of like giving you all these pills to treat this other thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Some people go and get surgery because their knees are shot, but the doctor knows that if they lost weight, they could probably avoid the surgery in some cases. But like, unless people are willing to do the work in between or able to, or get the support that they need to, like it's more expensive probably to go on a, on a diet, right. With like, that's very, very strict and, and, more helpful than the the surgery but like you know most people will go for the surgery because it's faster Mm. and and in some in some ways it's cheaper than going to your doctor every day (laughs) you know it's like no you know i'd just rather get the surgery i mean you know these are all parallels it's all kind of the just the the way that the system works and it's unfortunate yeah some people will be helped some people will just you know have gaming disorder and that's it
0: i did read my last episode was with Cam Adair, the, the founder of Game Quitters, and he put out an email where he was talking about this this declaration by by the WHO. And you know he he saw it as a positive because he believed that this would lead to the people who have accepted and know that they have a problem with gaming disorder or with problem gaming, that it would encourage them to seek treatment and provide more avenues for them to get treatment, you know? So that's, that's another aspect of it that I don't know, it's just something that I'm, that I'm considering.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, my, my opinion is that anything that gets anybody help, you know, to start and in mental health, my, my practice is not like, I'm not a psychiatrist, so I don't prescribe medication. Right. When, When I practice, it's always been that these are like, I'm working with the person to improve, to make changes. You know, this isn't, the the therapist isn't curing you. The therapist is teaching you skills and helping you understand certain things, see things differently, and then giving you the mechanisms that you need, the tools that you need to then overcome some of the issues that are, you're facing day to day. Like it's, it's a process. And if the thought of gaming disorder. Just like if someone comes in and is like, I think I'm bipolar. I'm like, okay, then they tell me the symptoms. I'm like, nope, not at all, but let's talk about, you know, you obviously have some sort of uh problem. So let's talk about it. Let's figure out what it is and let's get you some help. And if gaming disorder is going to get more people in through the door, I think I think that in that sense it's it's a good. I think it's a it's a it's a positive thing because you know, I don't think that ultimately people are going to find, you know, I think that most people are going to find that the gaming that you're gaming for a reason.
0: Right. So I had some other conversations with people this week about how this could affect the gaming industry itself, the ramifications of the existence of a gaming disorder. How does that affect how games are made and what effect that is going to have on the industry as a whole? For instance, you know what does it mean that now these things that are their media their works of art what does it mean that now it's possible to be addicted to them how does that affect the artistic integrity of games and you know the vision of the people who make them
1: yeah yeah so so um, it reminds me of what you said earlier about like having like making your game suckier over time like assuming so I'm, I'm going to assume that most people who make games have been hearing all their lives that games rot your brain and make you you know and, and just horrible and that this you know gaming disorder and video game addiction that this is nothing new and i'm assuming that most people who do this for a living would not believe that i'm assuming that anybody that makes games and did believe that their works of art were causing harm would probably just stop or try to adjust their game to a point where it doesn't do harm, and then realize that they don't like that, and then stop <laughs> that's my assumption in a in like in an in industry sense we know that you can you know we know that you can have an alcohol abuse problem, we know that tobacco you know cigarettes are addictive, the companies know that they haven't stopped <laughs> making them you know yeah that's not going to stop. I think that in like the grand scheme of things, big companies are going to be like, you know, like what's the percentage? Like where are we, even if they were regulated, right? Even if, even if the government started regulating the video game industry, the most that would happen is that what you can't buy a game unless you're 16 or older, unless you're 18, depends on the state. Maybe one state is like, you know, 21. Plus to enforce that with digital goods would be like, I would love to see them try. I would love to see how they're going to do that. Yeah. Because that's something that like, how would you even bother? You know, why would you even bother? Uh, So I don't, I don't, I don't think it, even, even if like we had 100, again, this is also assuming that people started accepting or that it was like, without a doubt, you know, video games were harmful. I don't think anything would stop. The industry is too big also. Mm-hmm. Too many people like it. I mean, I don't know. I don't think I don't think it would really... Uh, again, maybe individual people might be affected and then just stop or do something different. But in general, like, you know, like they go and they start doing entertainment games or something like that because they really love, you know, making games. But if those aren't addictive, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, my thought is, while regulation could be really bad for small studios, like physical products... If it's marketed to kids, then it has to go through certain regulations to determine that it's safe. And that's for physical products. But what if something similar existed for games as digital products in terms of mental health? I mean, maybe that's ludicrously far away, but I don't know. I feel like if a disorder exists, if, if it goes down the line and there's more talk about Not only does gaming disorder exist, but it's caused by games or caused by certain types of games, then regulation would have to start going into, you know, fine tooth comb of games. And those regulations for physical products are a massive barrier to entry of small companies because they just can't afford to, to pay for what it takes to pass those regulations. It could happen to games. I don't know. Maybe that's too far in the future, too many steps. But I could see it being problematic.
1: Did you hear about the Incredibles too? That uh, it caused seizures in some people. Yes.
0: Yeah, and after seeing it, I I understand why they would say that. <laughs> is the movie illegal now? Did they pull it from theaters? And and like and
1: we know that people got seizures from it. <laughs> like, there isn't even like you know, there's a there's a certain percentage of people. It's a very small percentage, which is probably similar to the percentage of people who would, you know, actually meet some sort of criteria for a gaming disorder, not again, not this ICD one, but an actual, you know, well thought out, detailed one with, with you know, real criteria, the percentage would probably be the same. You know, like I'm thinking like Incredibles 2 isn't suddenly outlawed. Mm-hmm. Maybe Disney might fix something for the home video release. But like, you know, it's done is done. <laughs> <laughs> and that literally caused people to have seizures, you know? I don't know. I think I think the especially in the United States, right? Like there are other countries where there this could this could be completely like there in other countries right now, there are games that are outlawed. There there are things that you just cannot do. Mm-hmm. The United States is too relaxed about a lot of these things, I think. Mm-hmm. And even again, if it unless it's more addictive than tobacco, mm-hmm. you know, than cigarettes. I don't I don't I don't see that would be like my, my, my model right now for what's going on. Like, what's the, I don't see, I don't see big, big, uh, like I, I, I we could, we could go into this hypothetical situation, uh, in in many different ways, but I still don't, I, I still don't see like even, even the smallest of studios, right? Like you sell digitally, you can figure it out. You know, there's a VPN, mm-hmm. like, you know, kids are smarter every day. They'll bypass whatever. <laughs> If they can't buy it, they'll just torrent it. You know, like it doesn't, like it doesn't. It's not gonna, it's not gonna be a big deal. I like get that point. Like, oh well, you know, Nintendo's putting in all these regulations. Well, I'm just gonna put it on PC. You yeah. know, like I want my art out there. I'm just gonna put it out like that. I want to put it out for free. So then kids don't actually even have to buy it, and then we'll try to get them on microtransactions afterwards. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. Well, what inspired the question about artistic integrity was I had a conversation on Discord with a guy, Luis Diaz, and he he's a a game developer for a small studio or basically independent, as I understand it. And he said that in his country, Spain, that he was worried about the backlash and how it might affect his work. And of course, I, I don't know anything about Spain, but this concern came from someone directly who thought that he could be affected by it.
1: Now that's that's interesting because I'm I'm assuming that if you're a game developer in Spain, you don't just sell games in Spain. Probably the game sales in Spain are probably least of your worries, right? Because to be a profitable, just to like pay the bills, you probably need to be able to sell in the U.S. and in, in 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 a large part of Europe, mm-hmm. in many different places. It's like it's a global thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like different again, small countries could crack down. I guess possibly even shut down a studio or or make it like illegal to operate a gaming studio in <laughs> your space. Now, of course, we're talking about that in a world where like pornography exists, right? You can be <laughs> right, that's a whole industry where movies, you can have the most violent movies in the world made almost anywhere. Like there's no opposition to that, you know.
0: <laughs> I think it's possible that, you know, these headlines and the public backlash might be problematic for some developers but i think you're right that the gaming industry and gaming as a phenomenon probably won't be slowed
1: oh yeah even just like again just in the the size of the industry the money that comes in like it could lobby tons of things like it's not defenseless either you know Oh, I, I do want to uh, admit that we are closer. Like my, the world right now is closer th- to the Handmaid's Tale than I ever thought it would be. So I mean, who knows? <laughs> like, we, like gaming being practically like outlawed or 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 prohibited in in like in that way is is terrifying to me. That would be that would be my dystopia. That I would not like that at all. Um, so who knows? <laughs> but I'm still I'm optimistic. <laughs> Yeah. And if it happens, I don't think that this particular (laughs) disc, the ICD gaming disorder, is going to do it.
0: (laughs) No, probably not. I mean, to even try to do that, you'd have to ban programming itself because anybody who knows how to program can piece together a game pretty quickly. I mean, I made a, a game when I was learning to program and I had a tutorial on just programming. A simple thing moving across the screen, and I saw what I was able to do. I was like, "Oh, I can make my own version of Pong!" And I mm-hmm. immediately, instead of doing my next tutorial, the next thing I was supposed to do, I I made my own version of Pong. You know, so <laughs> yeah, banning games itself would would be impossible on so many levels as long as computers themselves still function. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we actually did get through my very long list of things to talk about. Of course, it took us almost 2 hours, um, but that's that's great. So, I think I think that as a final thought on now that the world has this, do we feel like that was a good thing or a bad thing? I'm gathering from you that you do not like how this is codified at all, but I think you you see some of the silver lining that it could help some people get get some help.
1: Yeah. I mean, I used an example before, I'll just use a different one. I think, I think gaming disorder as written in the ICD-11 is absolute garbage. But if it brings somebody in the door, that's fine. Just like if somebody sees on TV, somebody is, I don't know, they hear the word schizophrenic or psychopathic and they think oh, like I'm like that character on TV. Maybe I should go check that. And they come in and then I can have a conversation with them about how they're neither of those things, but maybe there's something else or that at the very least, there are things that we can work on to improve different areas of their lives. If gaming disorder can do the same thing and get people to a point where they're actually talking to someone who can help them or they're even thinking about getting some sort of help, like I don't believe that psychotherapy is the is is the answer to everything. I think there's a lot of things you can do before that. There are support groups, there are self-help books, and sometimes you just need a particular insight. sometimes you know sometimes you just need to hear somebody like a particular insight, like, oh, yeah, my job sucks. That's the problem. Maybe if I could just get another job, I wouldn't want to you know do something else to like fill that gap or you know um or or Need that to refill that battery that in the afternoon uh, that's drained from my job all day. Those conversations can only happen if you go out and you reach reach out for help. And I think that because of that, because the, there is potential there for a gaming disorder to to lead to that, I'm I think that it's, it's a good thing.
0: Yeah, and you know I, I think we talked a lot about our problems with you know with how how this is written. And, you know, poked a lot of holes and and possible problems with it. But I don't want to dismiss people who feel like they they do have a problem, you know, not dismiss their observations as not important. I think that some of the signs that they're talking about, Okay, you decided to do anything in this case, gaming, you decided to do something that you knew would uh, would be a detriment to your family or your career and you did it anyway. I think that's obviously a warning sign, whether that leads to a diagnosis of gaming disorder, or just as a warning sign for, oh, this means you are depressed, or this means whatever, identifying those things, the gamers should identify those things and and take them seriously. Despite all the problems, if if you feel like you have a problem, don't don't be afraid to take action.
1: And yeah, I want to add something to that, which is that for some of us, gaming is just part of our lives, right? Like uh, I received the diagnosis of binge eating disorder a few years ago, which basically means that, I don't know, a lot of people think that it's a garbage disorder also, like just, just as bad as <laughs> this gaming disorder one, right? But basically like that's how I cope, right? Like uh, I'm a, some people might call it being an emotional eater, right? Or that's like my, my form of self-medication. And the truth is that just like it's really hard for me to avoid food because I have to eat. I think that for a lot of us, it's really possibly impossible to to not play games. Like that's just part of who we are, you know? And and just because it's something that we do, like there's a very big difference between like something that is part of your identity and the core of who you are, be people telling you that it's a bad thing. Like that. there's something very different than like, oh, like, well, this thing that I really love is you know, it's like it's, it's interfering in other parts of my life. And if you can see that, right, then there are people who can help you to kind of balance things out because and, and go to someone who cares about video games, who can understand the fact that, like, no, we're not going to, you know, make you go cold turkey because we know how much this means to you. We know that that's like just a part of who you are and it's part of what you love to do. And we can work or, and we can work with that and and help you live a healthier life.
0: Yeah, I think my biggest concern is the existence of a diagnosis, but only an implied determination of what the cause is. I don't know. I, there really isn't. Well, I mean... just by what you're saying, that it's under a category of substance abuse slash addictive behaviors.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. It, it implies that the game itself is the like the substance right. equivalent. Oh, and I mean, I I know we're wrapping wrapping up and this is the last thing I'll I'll really say uh, is that there's a whole other thing in the ICD also called hazardous gaming. Oh, really? Which has a whole other code. Yeah, it has a whole other paragraph. And that one is categorized under problems associated with health behaviors. And it's basically pretty much what we're talking about in general. Like, oh, like you're playing to the point where it's literally hazardous to other parts of your life or to other people. Mm -hmm. I don't know why nobody's talking about that. I think disorder is just a sexier word, (laughs) but hazardous gaming is actually probably a better diagnosis. Interesting. Look it up. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I just, it, it makes me nervous that the door is still open for games being considered the cause. You know, if if this was like gaming disorder and it is an indicator of, or a symptom of depression or anxiety or, or something like that, it was identified as such, you know, I feel like it might be more valuable. I don't know. I'm not a clinician, so I don't know.
1: That's where we're going to end up. I think that inevitably that is the, the logical place to end up, where you start listing gaming as among other symptoms of other disorders. And, and there, like, there you, you actually address the problem. Because now you're looking at, at, at different symptoms. And you're like, oh, like oh, like gaming is, is a symptom, and we put that in a you know we put that all on a list with other symptoms, and then we can have a better uh, idea of what kind of clinical disorder or or disease we're we're actually dealing with, and then we can actually address it in a way that's you know that, that makes more sense. Again, because now you are looking at it as a symptom. I I think that that's inevitable. That's where we're gonna end up.
0: Yeah, I, I think it would be valuable if there was a set of guidelines for specifically if this person is gaming, what are some signs within a gaming habit that could be red flags? Like you all of a sudden start playing a huge amount.
1: More intensity. You start playing harder. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but something with that's a little bit more specific and more nuanced, like all of a sudden you stop playing games Socially, and you start playing them more isolated i don't know just things that are that are, actually,
1: are i i love I love where this is going uh like a diagnostic criteria based on like where you're actually looking at gaming behavior it's like like, well, why, why are you only playing hard mode now? You know, like you want to feel frustrated or like, why are you only playing easy mode now? Like, why did you switch this type of game and you're only playing this other type of mm-hmm. game? You know, like uh, all of those things are, are. I think that there are tons of insights that we can game about the way that people play and the choices that they make and what position they're putting themselves in. Those can be super helpful and Again, those are the type of questions that I ask. Those are the type of questions that some of my colleagues ask. But we've we've made those up as we go along because that doesn't exist.
0: I mean, that's how I diagnose my own life. Like, why did I, why did I quit this game that was hard? Was it because of outside circumstances? The way that I play reflects my my mood, my circumstances, my relationships. So for me, obviously, I have the best context for my own gaming. But it would be interesting to see guidelines that are more informed and could be applied but again like we listed before there's there's a lot of roadblocks to to making really valuable points to to diagnose on or points to you know make definitive uh, statements about but I think it's possible for these to be improved and for for something valuable to come of it
1: and everything you just talked about now is like you sound like you're pretty insightful, Chess, you know, <laughs> and not everybody takes the time to reflect on, on their gaming experiences and, and learn from them and connect them to other parts of their lives. But I think, I think that what we do, that's, that's super valuable and a lot of uh, good can, can come from that, especially if you like, have someone else there with you, like a guide or a counselor or, you know, just someone, even just friends to kind of bounce that, those ideas off of.
0: I think that's a great place to end. And I think it's a great time to end. Um, <laughs> gosh, thank you so much for staying on the line and talking with me so long about this and then diving deep into this was, was excellent. I think it's a great time to do it. And I really appreciate your insights.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me again, Chess. Thank you for, for so many questions. <laughs> this, is, this is very long. I'm wondering how long the edit will be. Um, We have been here for two hours. Uh, (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Yeah, this is
0: probably going to get split into at least two episodes. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) Well, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to part two. I found this discussion with Jose so informative and so interesting to hear his perspective as someone in the mental health field and the struggles of what it takes to actually get people mental health treatment in the first place. And it was interesting to see how a new classification of a mental health disorder could fit into that. I hope you all found it as interesting as I did. As I record, I'm starting to hear a bunch of fireworks. Um, I'm about to leave. When you hear this, I will already be back. But I'm actually going on a vacation with my wife and we're going to a board gaming convention. So I'm very excited to spend five days playing board games. And maybe I'll return with some cool stories to share on the show. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in seven.